Well, I'll tell you, you got to listen to the people you meet. Uh, like I said, I met a guy, uh, you know, just selling, I think it was, I forget what he was selling. It was years ago, but, and one day I just start talking to him and then I found out he was a drummer for the beach boys on the road, came home. I looked him up. You could see him playing drums for the, for the band. It was really cool. And it just goes to show you, you never know who you're going to meet with an excellent story. From cave drawings to family histories to stories around the fire, humans crave order among chaos, connection amid isolation. So we tell stories. Our mission at the Storytellers Network is to bring the art of story to the masses. Whether you're in marketing, you're an entrepreneur, or you're developing your own personal brand, telling your story effectively can make the difference between celebrating milestones and collecting unemployment. The Storytellers Network strives to help storytellers tell their stories so you can learn from the best. Now, your host, Dan Moyle. All right, welcome, storytellers. I'm your host, your guide, your librarian. Today, I'm your food guide. My name is Dan, and I love story. I love sharing the stories of storytellers that I admire, and some I'm just getting to know for the first time along with you. Either way, stories are so much a part of my life, and I love that you're here to listen. Uh, I believe in the power of story because I know that it connects us. It's what makes us human. So I'm excited to get into this story today. Before we get into that conversation, a nudge to visit the website, thestorytellersnetwork.com for past episodes with amazing storytellers, links to resources to help you tell a better story, and contact information for me if you want to connect. Be sure to subscribe there as well via email and get updates every month on what's going on with the show. So speaking of the show, let's get to it, shall we? Kevin Wilson, was one of the first people to bring the dining on a dime idea to the Philadelphia area for his restaurant blog website back in 2011, which he started actually in 2010. So as you're listening to this in 2020, 10 years ago, he was beginning to blog about restaurant reviews when kind of nobody else was. Yelp was big, but that wasn't, blogging wasn't a thing. I mean, it was, but you know, Kevin was the first one to do it. So huge success on the website. He was asked to bring this idea to a weekly radio segment after he saw how popular that was. He brought it into Wildfire Radio, which is a show that teaches people where to eat out on a very tight budget and gives names on both the good and the not so good restaurants. So he has a podcast as well. He's also author of the book Table for One. Kevin understands the power of story very well. And as you'll hear, he didn't really think about it until I invited him on the show. So interesting how much he knows about it, but it was kind of the way we framed it for this conversation. So without further ado, let's get to those stories. So Kevin Wilson, welcome to the Storytellers Network. Uh, we're recording on New Year's, so hey man, Happy New Year. Oh, Happy New Year. I'm so excited to be here. Awesome, man. So listen, Kevin, I want to start with uh, what could be the simplest question of the night or day or whatever you're listening. Um, do you consider yourself a storyteller? I absolutely do. I'm a published author and I have a book called Table for One at Barnes & Noble. Yeah. And, and I do food writing in the Philadelphia area. Excellent. So how important is story itself to what you do with reviews? Oh, absolutely important. I'll tell you what, they, they, I have seen so many bloggers and food critics not be able to tell a story, and it's hard to follow. <laughs> Isn't it? Unless, been, you know, unless you know how to tell a story. Right. And you've been doing this since 2011, right? Yes. I uh, so. started my blog 10 years ago, 2010. And uh, phillyrestaurantreviews.com 
and it's uh, 400, as of yesterday, 451 uh, restaurant reviews, all with photos. Mm-hmm. And I started it because my mother passed, and uh, I used to eat at home, obviously. <laughs> and I was in, I was suffering from depression and I was going to restaurants every night and Yelp was a big deal back then. Uh, so somebody suggested I started that I start taking photos and putting them on Yelp, you know, doing reviews for Yelp. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it became so successful. I said, let me call a uh, web hosting service and see how much it would cost to make my own Yelp. You know what I mean? Online. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the uh, blog took off, you know, it's not even, it took off like fire and uh, it was, a, it enabled me to get my book published Okay. because it was so popular. That was one of the factors they keyed into my book being public. Um, do you think, so 10 years later, I mean, with so much yeah. social media, so much noise, do you think that's still uh, a possibility for storytellers wanting to get to the stage of published author? Is blogging still a thing? Uh, not as much as it used to be. I don't think you're going to be able to monetize, but I would highly suggest doing a blog of what you love, uh, Mm -hmm. because blogging has helped your, it, it's kind of like, uh, kind of like, uh, in training for your storyteller skills. Uh, even if you have 10 people a day going to your blog, you're still sharpening your storytelling skills by Mm -hmm. blogging. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, uh, for the record, I agree with you. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> might have been no, a, serious. Might have been a softball question, but um, but yeah, I mean, it's there's just there's so much noise. So being able to, as you said, set yourself apart by telling a story, not just putting words on page, um, can set you apart. So, uh, I like I like what you're doing with that. So that's cool. Yeah, and I'm actually still honing my skills through my blog. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think. I mean, gosh, I would I would like to think any storyteller or author worth their salt probably is still always sharpening their skills, right? Absolutely. I totally agree with that. Totally and agree. So when you're sharpening your skills, do you look towards other storytellers as inspiration for that to learn from? Yeah. 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 The people in the Philadelphia area know, uh, I'm sure you have uh, listeners in the Philadelphia area. There's a very, very popular critic for the local paper. His name's Craig LeBan. And one of the things I notice is that he is an outstanding, storyteller each restaurant he goes into tells a story Mm. and i think that's the secret to his success he's Mm. not just writing food about food on a paper he's actually telling a great story about each restaurant Mm. and so so out of your 451 you said um on your blog 450 as of yesterday yes yeah so each one of those is a story behind not just the food for you too like but for the restaurant the people that you interact with i mean each one of them is a story absolutely and what's interesting to me is we just did a show now i have a podcast too called dining on a dime Mm -hmm. and the dining on a dime podcast was created on my blog in 2010 it just became a a podcast two years ago and uh, basically uh you know storytelling plays a big role even on a podcast you know what I mean? You got to keep people tuned in. And the way to do it is to tell a good story. And I went into a bar to, uh, to record a live show. And as I was in there, they were introducing me to the staff at a local bar that has food. And each member of that staff had a huge story behind them. Mm-hmm. And it was really fascinating to see that. 
Uh, one guy used to be a musician with top stars. One guy used to be, you know, a, a haircut or whatever. Mm. And it's interesting that each individual had their own story. Oh yeah, absolutely. I love, I love that. And, and to be able to capture those and share them with others and be that story, that story sharer, um, is, is awesome. And what a responsibility where did, and, and I don't mean to take over, but look real oh, quick. I, I was doing, uh, I was buying something that a, a local person, I think it was, it was some kind of peanuts or something, and uh, a local person was selling it. So I'm going to go into their house to buy it, you know, the food item. And I found out that not only were they selling food items on the side, uh, but they used to, the guy selling it used to be a drummer for the Beach Boys. Oh, and no that, yeah, that little transaction turned into. He was on the road with the Beach Boys. He played for like the biggest superstars. He was a drummer. And it was amazing. It was just so cool to see that story behind a guy you just thought was selling, you know, I think it was, I forget what it was, but something out of his house. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? It was fascinating. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I, lo- I love hearing about people's journeys, you know. Oh, so, amazing. So cool. So, Kevin, where did, it, yeah. where, did it, where did it start for you that you discovered you were a storyteller and could make this into something that you could make a living at? Well, I, and when I was a kid, I used to always write stories. Uh, you know, it was just one of them things, uh, one of them people that did it as a hobby. And I always had a wild imagination and this, that, and the other thing. And uh, when my mother passed away, uh, shortly thereafter, my brother and sister passed away the same week during Christmas. It was like December 11th. And... Uh, that inspired me to write my book. Uh, my book is not a food book. It's a inspirational memoir about overcoming depression and anxiety and teaches people how to uh, cope with grief. And the book, everyone thinks because I'm a food writer, the f- food is in there to show people how I got through my depression. Mm-hmm. But my book is not a food book. And people are surprised uh, when they read it. We have only five stars on, uh, you know, on the internet, but people thought it was a food book when they bought it. Mm-hmm. And it's actually an inspirational memoir. You know, I, I'm glad you brought that up, that part of the story. I remember reading that when I was researching you and thought, my goodness, what I, I, I can't even put into words, man. And the most that. surprising, the most surprising thing, Dan, is that they passed away from two totally separate things. Wow. Like my sister had a massive heart attack and then he had a brain tumor. So it was an intra, a brain injury that he passed away from. Mm. So in the same week, within four days. That's inc- man. That is incredibly, just I mean, incredible in a bad way. I mean, obviously, but like incredibly right. sad and just my goodness. Um, so I can I can completely see how all that loss would send you into a a depression, um, send you into, into a dark place. So is it right. safe to say then the story helped you get out of that? Uh, writing the book had me. Uh, I gained 60 pounds writing the book because I had to relive it, you know, and that's something people don't think about. Uh, Writing the book about it helped a lot of people. I had a book signing at the Barnes and Noble in Willow Grove. And I had a woman come up to me saying, wow, you know, her friend that she had since she was six passed away from cancer at like 24 years old. So there's a lot of people, like a lot of those stories, there was a story behind everybody's book that I signed. Mm -hmm. You know, it was interesting. Mm-hmm. but but the actual act of it wasn't necessarily helpful 
but afterwards it has helped you. Afterwards, afterwards it made me uh, feel good about myself because I had a lot of people inspired by the book. Mm -hmm. Uh, The book was a huge success, uh, but writing the book had me relive it. And that was a very difficult time. Yeah. Um, Why do you think it is that we love stories so much then? Is it part of that connection? Is it something else? Why do we love stories? Oh, I totally believe that uh, somebody who tells a good story through print or through mouth, you know, on radio or whatever, uh, I think it, it makes, it takes you on the journey with them. Uh, you're kind of like there with them, you know, someone can tell you a story, uh, be it in book form or verbally, it, it kind of connects the audience with that person. Mm-hmm. And I, I like that you said it can be verbal. It can be written. Um, there's yeah. so many, you can tell so many, a story many ways. Yeah. What, so what's your favorite, Kevin? My favorite is actually in print. We have a podcast now. I enjoy doing the podcast, but I prefer to write. I think that if you can get the reader, there's no bigger accomplishment for me is when I get compliments from readers saying that they loved, you know, what I wrote. That's, that's actually more fulfilling to me than the emails our show gets from people that love the show. Interesting. And and yeah. so when you, when you say writing, is that just through the book or even when Oh, no, 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 no. I'm a, no, I do food writing now. I, I yeah. write for a magazine called, I write for a magazine called Philly Bite and I write for my own blog, phillyrestaurantreviews.com. Yeah. And I get a lot of compliments on not only the information I uh, give, but I get a lot of compliments on the actual writing. I'm horrible at grammar. I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> I, I am horrible. So I'm grammarly. That helps a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I've had people suggest to me that I invest uh, money in the grammarly because my grammar is so bad, but <laughs> the, the, the words get across. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So, so just writing in general, not necessarily a platform, just the, the act of writing and someone reading the act of writing. Show. Okay. And I'm one of those guys, Dan, you're probably the same way. I wake up four o'clock in the morning, like Billy Joel writing a hit song. You know what I mean? I'll go and write something. <laughs> I'd like to say I'm up at four, but I don't know, man. <laughs> that's news. That's news bar is, is a little too tempting some days. <laughs> <laughs> right. So what is it? A, so that's why we, in general, why we love stories is that connection. Um, maybe it teaches us empathy, whatever it is, but I, I like how you said it. But what about you, Kevin Wilson? What do you love? about the story itself and about telling one? I enjoy the journey. Uh, you know, I always try to get a three, uh, a three, uh, you know, the beginning, middle and end. I try not to write where I go beginning and end. I try to do a beginning, middle and end. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, and I think that's a skill, you know what I mean? I think that's a skill. And when you see it on paper and you get compliments about your writing, I think that um, it's very fulfilling because that's a real, you know, skill. And some people do not have that skill. And I think people need to realize that Mm -hmm. Uh, there are people who want to write, but they just don't have it. I've seen that. And is it a skill that we can learn or is it just, you can absolutely. Yeah. That's my, that's my recommendation for your audience. Start a blog, you know, or do something because you can be a terrible writer today and an excellent writer two years from now. You just have to kind of like 
doing karate. You have to train. You know what I mean? It's got to be worked on. It's got to be, you know, uh, I was just talking about, I know this sounds weird, but I was talking about a wrestling commentator today. He was horrible back in the 80s when he started, but today he's pretty good. You know what I mean? You got to you gotta rehearse, I guess. Mm-hmm. I like that writing is like karate. You have to do it. Get it. To <laughs> you have to do it. Yeah. If you want to win the black belt, you got to do it. And if you Absolutely. do a blog, it, you can get a blog for $20 a month online. You can have your own website and you can write for your own website for 20 bucks online. People might think you're terrible uh, today, but who knows what's going to happen two years from now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Keep investing in yourself and, and reading other Absolutely. great storytellers, listening to them. Um, so what is one of your biggest challenges then? with storytelling, Kevin? Oh, well, sometimes your mind gets clouded. You know what I mean? You got other things going on. You're trying to, like, for me, we have the podcast, so I got to write the show. Uh, You know, and sometimes uh, your brain isn't on 100%. Mm. So that's when the grammar gets bad, and that's when... So I would recommend to people to write when they are totally clear of mind. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because that way you're going to be more focused, uh, don't write because you think you have to write. Write because you enjoy it and you have the time to do it. Mm-hmm. And when you find yourself drained and not at 100%, do you, what do you do to recharge? I'll just, if I'm up at 4 a.m., and I, I, I do that often, I'll wake up in the middle of the night and I'll write, uh, and then it's not clicking. I'll just come back to it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If I don't feel like it's, you know, if we're clicking on all cylinders, I'll I'll just go back to it. Right. I'll, I'll you know fold the computer. And I'll go back to it like eight o'clock. Mm-hmm. Um, Sometimes you're too tired. You know, I mean, that happens. Oh, yeah. absolutely. So go live life for a while and then come back later. And that's it. And you go yeah. when your mind's clear. Yeah. So, do you find yourself looking for inspiration in particular places, or is it just something that you do every day to build that inspiration? I do it every day to build it, and I am telling your listeners for a fact, once you do it for a long time consistently, you're going to get to the place you want to be. It's okay. Like I said, it's like karate. You want to win the black belt, you got to train. Mm-hmm. Because What's I've seen been... terrible writers, Dan. I've seen horrible writers. <laughs> I, I have friends of mine, I have friends of mine, personal friends, who tried to write. They just were horrible. Now, after two or three years, they're pretty good. That's awesome. And do you yeah. enjoy encouraging them along the way then? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I, I, I had someone send me something back in like 2013 and I said, that's the worst thing I've ever read. <laughs> and then they, today they're, they're a very successful blogger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, you just got to hone your skills. Mm-hmm. And, and as the person who's on the other side of that, uh, of that journey, uh, further down, let's say, man, that's about further down. Don't be afraid to give that feedback and be honest, huh? Uh, you have to, yeah. And that's another thing. A lot of writers, or I'm going to call them posers, that think they're writers, uh, don't get, you know, that kind of. Inc- you got to encourage them to keep going. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're telling them, if you're not honest with them, uh, they're going to think they're good. And you know what I mean? And they're mm-hmm. going to think they're at the level that they have to be. And they're not. And if you're not honest with them, they'll never get to that level. You're not doing them any favors by just sugarcoating it. You're you not doing anybody favors. Yeah. So not do you, doing anyone favors by that. 
So do you have a, a favorite story over the years with uh, your 450 restaurant reviews, a, f- a favorite moment that's happened? Uh, I have a funny moment. Uh, mm. You know, all of, the, all of them are like my children. You know what I mean? I don't have that's a, a favorite. Of, that's a lot of kids. I think, <laughs> I think, well, I think, well, I think of them as my children. If, uh, you know, mm-hmm. they're not, I, you know, I have some that I love. I, I, there's funny stories, but I, all of them are my favorite because I enjoy doing it. But mm-hmm. I do have a funny story. I went into a taco place that's closed down, shockingly, right? <laughs> went in there uh, when I was doing my blog back in uh, 2010. And I went in there to blog about it. And I got a taco. And I get back to my table. <laughs> and I was like, wait a second. The meat is off. Co- we'll say off color. Mm. So I says to the guy, I said, uh, I'm not going to eat that, but just so you know, the uh, meat is off color. And he looks at me and he goes, that's how all our meat looks. Oh. <laughs> He's like, I'll, I'll see you later. <laughs> well, he just very directly said, that's how all our meat looks. So I said, well, your meat is not right. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I was, you know, and I'm like thinking on the way home, I should, you know, check in with the health department to see if they're, you know, how many violations they've had. <laughs> mm, right. A lot of funny, a lot of funny stories, but I don't have a favorite, mm-hmm. uh, you know, story because I, I think of them all uh, the same. So as a, as a food reviewer, as a critic, as someone who kind of holds a little bit of power in their hands when it comes to the livelihood of these, you know, restaurants and food carts, have you ever come up against someone who has turned that back against you? Cause I can't imagine every review is perfect, right? I'll, I tell, mean, you, I'll, t- I'll tell you what, I'm glad you asked that question. There's a place in the Manioc section in Philly. Uh, it's a pizza place. And this is one of the things that inspired me to uh, start my own website. I went in there, and this is a very true story, and it's unbelievable when you think about it today. I went in there, I gave them a bad review because I didn't like the food, right? So I can physically prove that they harassed me about my review. Uh, at least for a month or two, like literally harass me, email me every day saying, Hey, we know you work for the competition. Uh, take that review down, dot, dot, dot. Then they start giving me gift certificates. It's still open today. And I don't want to name the name, but it's a very popular place in the uh, Philadelphia section. Mm-hmm. And then they sent me an, uh, emails, giving me gift certificates uh, to come back and try them and change the review. This is how powerful Yelp was at one time. And I refused to do it. And that was actually one of the things that inspired me to start my own website. Cause my thinking was if these guys are so animate about me changing that review. And at the time I was only, I had like maybe 500 people reading me every month. I said, somebody's making money. And that's what inspired me to do the website. Hmm. You know, cause I was kind of taken aback by their, you know, their power, their insistence of, uh, having me change my review so that's what started the whole blogging thing yeah that's interesting. my own website and it, isn't it funny how powerful social media can be it is and yelp's no longer that caliber right now but at okay. the time back in 2010 that was a powerful tool and restaurants used to give you gifts you know all three i never took them but they would offer you gift certificates to come back and change the review Mm-hmm. And I think Yelp put their foot down because I know there's a disclaimer on Yelp that they're not allowed to do that. Yeah. There's even, it got to the point where they had to put a disclaimer. 
uh, not funny. I, see, now where do you go if you're if you're off in a distant city somewhere and you want to find a good place? Where do you go for reviews? I actually Google. I think Google's the best way to find a good restaurant. You know, mm-hmm. if, uh, because it'll come up with TripAdvisor. My following on TripAdvisor as of last month is thirty nine thousand people. Mm-hmm. So, and that shows you how powerful the website is. Not me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, it'll come up with TripAdvisor. If you Google it, it'll come up with several different uh, reviews, like Google reviews, Yelp, you know, everything at once. So I don't okay. go to Yelp. I use the Yelp app for directions, but I don't use it. I don't rely on any of the reviews. Hmm. Interesting. You know, that- if I was to go, like, I'll give you an example. In 2015, I was in Nashville, Tennessee. And I was looking for uh, hot chicken and I Googled it and Hattie B's came up and I went to Hattie B's. I absolutely loved it. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas if I would have used the Yelp app or something, you know, I don't know if I would have found. It. Yeah. How do you distinguish between a, a food reviewer critic that you, you know, you read a couple of the reviews or whatever and you're like, okay, I'm going to go to Hattie B's cause it's got good reviews. It, but not everybody has the same taste as you. How do you distinguish exactly like how to find a good reviewer? Well, that's, I'm glad you said that I go by majority. So if I see 200 reviews and 170 are positive, don't forget shadiness still exists in the food world. There are a lot of people who a want to badmouth a place just for the sake of doing it. Or B, there's a lot of people that know somebody that works there that they do not like. So I don't take any individual review uh, seriously. I look at the majority, whatever wins the majority. So if there's 200 reviews, 170 are positive, that's how I make my decision. Gotcha. That makes sense, yeah. Yeah, because I'm telling you right now, I know the business inside out. There are people who don't like the owner. There are people who don't like some employees that work there. And they will purposely put a bad review. So if you're looking at 10 reviews and like, you know, three are bad, more than likely those people have personal vendettas. So I go, I look at like dozens of reviews and I'll take the majority. Gotcha. And then just go in with an open mind and see if it works, right? (laughs) Going in with an open mind. I've gone to a lot of places that had two stars or one star and it's ended up being outstanding. Yeah. Interesting. I don't listen to the star. For you, Kevin, what makes the difference between a one-star and a five-star? I think ingredients. I really do. I think the ingredients, a lot of people are cutting corners. I, I, the blog has over 200 burger places, and I can honestly tell you 80% use bagged fries, and the ones that kicked it up a notch and used hand-cut fries just made it a little bit different. Uh, 70% used frozen. You know, the ones that are near and dear to my heart are the ones with the hand pa- uh, handcrafted patties. You know what I mean? It's that yeah. kind of thing. All right. It takes you a little extra time, a little extra care for it. Yep. And a lot of them are, I love the places that are owned by one guy and that one guy is cooking all day. <laughs> I <laughs> enjoy that. Yeah, Those absolutely. are some of the best places. You know, so hashtag, small bu- hashtag small business. If you go through your neighborhood and you look at 10 businesses that are privately owned, food places, restaurants, bars, whatever, one of them is going to be exceptional mm-hmm. almost all the time. So it doesn't have and to necessarily be fancy or like super high class. It just has to be good. Absolutely. And uh, I'll give you an example. 
most of the places that are near and dear to my heart are, you know, Jim Smith and Jim's in the kitchen all day. You know what I mean? Because Jim takes a lot of pride in what he puts out. I just did a, a place on our show. We're playing a show right now on the Dining on a Dime podcast. Family owned, 43, 40 uh, years, family owned place. Everything that comes out of the kitchen, the owner, his wife or his son, you know, looks at. And I love people who serve you food that have confidence. You know what I mean? Mm. They, now I don't want to say the word ego, but that is something that I admire in, in a person putting out food. You know what I mean? I want a guy that says, look, if you have my burger, it's going to be the best burger you ever had. <laughs> it just, I've usually it is, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. you have to have a confidence in your food. Uh, that, in, that really impresses me. Man, you got a passion for food. I'm, I already had dinner tonight, but I'm ready to go find the best burger in town. So. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, hear you. Funny. So where's the best Philly cheesesteak then? Or is that a tourist thing? <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I'm, I'm willing to step out on this one. You ready for this? Yeah, yeah. There's a place. There's a place called Gooey Louie's, Second and McKean. Uh, it's in the South Philly section in Pennsport Plaza. Their standard cheesesteak is 20 ounces of meat, and it's under ten dollars. Wow. And uh, I just think the quality. You know, I, I just think it's very good. Quality is great. Uh, you know, and, and very nice bunch of people. I had them on the dining on a dime show. And, uh, I think, uh, I think that's where I would go first. Then there's a second, second place. It's called mama's pizzeria right outside of Philly in Valley Kenwood. Uh, that's owned by family again. You know what I mean? family owned, operated and funded, uh, very good cheesesteak. Uh, and then Center City just came out strong. Center City, Philadelphia, just so everyone knows, is weak in the cheesesteak department. But there's a place called O Brother at Second and Market, and Cleavers at 18th and Market between Market and Chestnut. That's very good. Mm. I uh, I was in Philly a couple of years ago for a conference, uh, podcast conference, and we were over by is it is it Reading Market, right? Reading Terminal, yes. Or Terminal, okay, yeah, Reading Terminal. We went in there for. Um, a couple different times for, you know, lunch or for a party or whatever. And I had uh, like legit Philly cheesesteak and it was amazing. We, we have them quote unquote in Michigan. Um, but man, right. there's something about being in Philly. It was so good. Absolutely. And, and if you go back to the uh, Philly and you go to Redding Terminal, there's a place called by George right at the front door. And that is the best food in the Redding Terminal. Very mm. good spot. All right. I'll have to come back for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Kevin, how do you think that we can all use story uh, to improve our everyday lives? Well, I'll tell you, you got to listen to the people you meet. Uh, like I said, I met a guy, uh, you know, just selling. I think it was, I forget what he was selling. It was years ago, but something out of his home. And I, you know, would just buy it. I think it was vitamin. I don't remember. But I was buying it. And one day I just start talking to him. And then I found out he was a drummer for the Beach Boys on the road, came home. I looked him up. You could see him playing drums for the, for the band. It was really cool. And it just goes to show you, you never know who you're going to meet with an excellent story. Most people have their own. You could write a book about almost everyone you meet. Absolutely. And it just kind of goes to show that we all have a story. 
Everybody has a story. You, the people that you see that you are looking down on most of the time, like they're not dressed right or they're, 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 you know, they're, they're down on their luck. Those are the people with the stories. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, I, I saw a guy asking for change and then we start talking and this guy used to be, he helped build some of the biggest buildings in the country. You know, he was a, you know, he worked on, you know, as a builder. And he was, he turns out he was a part of some of the biggest projects in, in the whole country. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then he fell down on his luck. So story, can, so story can help us connect with other people to, to have empathy, to maybe help to just create a better world, I guess. Well, right? just think about this. This guy used to work, you know, on the biggest buildings in the country, like the most successful buildings. And he just had a bad turn, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And now he's at the spot he's at. So you got to find out something about almost everyone you meet. And you'll find that one golden nugget that'll inspire you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it sounds like you've got a, a natural curiosity about you, Kevin, that helps make that just easy to do. Yeah, well, that's actually how you work on your writing skill. You know what I mean? You You meet someone maybe he's outside of a gas station begging for money and then you just start talking to him and you'll find out some of the best stories for people from people i'm not trying to you know bad mouth people but people down on their luck have the most interesting stories mm-hmm. you know and you can just get inspired by it mm-hmm. that's a great point i love that's a tweetable moment you work on your own writing your own storytelling by just by listening more and being curious that's great oh um, that is the point i'm trying to get across you got to listen yeah. And yeah. that'll give you inspiration. Absolutely. So Kevin, you said earlier, I asked you about blogging. Um, it may not be quite as, you know, and even doing Yelp reviews isn't quite as powerful as it used to be. How are we storytellers supposed to get our stories out today then? I would highly recommend. I would highly recommend to your listeners to uh, blog. I think that is the best way to uh, craft your skills. And you can go to GoDaddy and have a fully functional blog for like 22 bucks a month. And like you said earlier, Dan, you got to invest in yourself. Mm-hmm. If writing is your passion and you're serious about it, maybe you're not at the level you need to be today to become a published author. But if you invest in yourself, uh, you know, do the blog to invest in your skills. You know, I'm not saying you're going to make any money. You're not, but you know, just to tune up your skills, I would do a blog. Um, and so, uh, so I, I love that because I, I work as a, in my professional life, I work with a lot of businesses and, and stuff and everybody's always asking about social media. And I always tell them, you got to have your own website first. You got to have your own URL, your home base, social media is rented space you got to have your own website. So that's such a great and point. And you can, Dan, you, you can do that for 22 bucks, you yeah. know, a month, yeah. you know, you're spending more of that, more than that on coffee, mm-hmm. you know, so you can invest 22 bucks in yourself, get a URL, get a blog or a website and just go at it. And maybe three years from now, who knows, you'll be public. Yeah. No, that's great. I, I, we are so aligned, Kevin. <laughs> that's good stuff. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> now, once you and have you know that, funny, you know, it's, you know, it's yeah. funny, Dan, 
There are some people who actually believe posting on Facebook is going to help their writing. <laughs> nobody <laughs> reads a face. Nobody reads a Facebook post past three lines. <laughs> right, right. You know what I mean? So yeah. how are you going to tone? Your, how are you going to hone your skills on a social media? You just can't. Mm-hmm. So what's social media good for then? Uh, I do it for promotion for the podcast. It's successful that way. We do very well on Twitter. I have at dining on a dime one on Twitter. I I don't understand it, but we do very well. <laughs> That's probably our most powerful social media site. All right. So connection and promotion then. Absolutely. Okay. I don't use I don't use social media to uh, display my writing talents at all. Mm-hmm. Um. So. So you, you've got your website, which has a blog on it. So, and then you use social media to connect with people. Um, what about video? Is video a good place to be storytelling? Too? I'm so, I'm so happy you asked that question. We just started a YouTube channel. It's called food and beverage information station on YouTube. YouTube is a very hard egg to crack. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been at it. I fully heavily promoted it. Uh, it's slow and I, it's, I read somewhere that that whole medium is dying out, but I recommend doing it because most of our positive reaction comes from the video of us recording the podcast. Mm. So what I do is I film the podcast and then I play it on YouTube and that's our most popular videos on YouTube. Yeah. It's a tough egg to crack to get, you know, to get followers, Mm -hmm. but but it's beneficial because you just get your story out there. I know an aspiring author that works uh, at a historic place for Philadelphia, and uh, he started YouTubing, uh, talking about his writing. He's trying to write movies, and he got noticed by a publishing company. So you never know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. At the very least, they wanted. At the very least, they asked him for a manuscript. But still, the publishing company saw his YouTube. He would do a uh, storytelling, you know how they verbally do storytellings? Mm-hmm. Yep. And he was doing a verbal storytelling and the publishing company got a, you know, caught it, uh, caught their eye. Mm-hmm. So be, be in a lot of places and keep doing it. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. I mean, you gotta be out there. You can't yeah. be sitting home and, and you know, uh, writing on Facebook or, you know, whatever. You gotta be out there. You gotta get to your website, get your, Go to YouTube. Go to Twitter. Twitter is very, very uh, effective for our show. Mm-hmm. Very effective. I love I love being on Twitter. So, um, yeah, that's where you, I think that's where you and I got introduced first. Anyway, um, yes, absolutely. So, so Kevin, it sounds. I mean, gosh, you've got your your podcast. You're making these videos. You're a published author. You've got you know, 450 reviews, tens of thousands of followers on TripAdvisor. You've you've built this this really nice uh, niche for yourself. Uh, what does it look like if I say, when have you made it? What does making it look like for you? Oh, no, no, no. Making it absolutely is monetizing. We're on our way. We'll probably monetize the show by March. Okay. Uh, the way you monetize a podcast is you get uh, sponsorships, uh, from companies that do commercials on your show. You got to get to that level. Uh, you're not making it, uh, you're doing it for love until you get paid. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's when it becomes making it. And we should be paid by March. Okay. Um, who, who's your, who's your biggest fish you want to go after when it comes to those sponsors? Can I ask? <laughs> just curious. Well, here's the thing. Uh, podcasting just became uh, regulated. 
So there were a lot of people leaving the podcast world, such as Eric Bischoff. He's a wrestling guy. Uh, his original show that he had on podcast, he left because the uh, podcasting industry was like the Wild West because there was no regulation. Now podcasting has gone into an IAB certified uh, analytics platform. Mm-hmm. And now the sponsors are starting to look into sponsoring podcasts. Until I think it was three years ago, two, three years ago, they started going to an IAB certified analytics. Mm-hmm. So podcasting is no longer the Wild West. There's actually some regulation and, uh, you know, with the stats. So people are starting to come back to podcasting. I think a perfect uh, sponsor for our particular show uh, would be, uh, you know, like a Dunkin' Donuts that gives you good deals. You know, those kinds of places. Because we teach people where to eat out and how to save on money when they're eating out. Our show is about value. It's, you know, eating good but with a, at a good value. Mm-hmm. Cool. Right on. So those types of places. That makes sense. Awesome, Kevin. This has been a lot of fun, man. You were a fantastic guest, a lot of great stories. I'll get to my last question here in a minute, but uh, we talked all about the social media and the URLs and everything. Where's the best place for listeners to connect with you? Oh, absolutely. Uh, PhillyRestaurantReviews.com. If you're planning a trip to Philadelphia, we created an audio food tour. Now, this is an interesting, and this is a unique idea that I created. Uh, what we did was we did podcasts for a year teaching people where the best places to eat in Philadelphia are. Where can I find the best cheesesteak? Where can I find the best burger in Philadelphia, etc. And we made hour-long podcasts about the best of. And then I created what's called an audio food tour. So for just five bucks, people can buy the recommendations and instead of following a food tour where you have to go on their terms, you can throw your earbuds in and you can listen to our show as you're in the area that you're looking for. I broke it down. Like if, say, you want to come to Philly, visit the Liberty Bell. We have an audio food tour, which has the best restaurants near the Liberty Bell. Mm-hmm. So you're not tied to a group and you're not tied to any other person's agenda. You have your own. You put the earbuds in and you do your thing. Uh, that is probably the most beneficial thing you'll see. And that's on phillyrestaurantreviews.com. Don't forget the average food tour in Philadelphia is $40 a person. Ours is just five and you can, uh, $1 each. There's five downloads for five bucks. Nice. So phillyrestaurantreviews.com. Yep. phillyrestaurantreviews.com. And then at dining on a dime one on Facebook and Twitter, but you have to use the one. Is some uh, there's a weird person that has dining on a dime, so it has to be dining on a dime one. <laughs> right on. All right, we'll put those links in the show notes. Thank um, you. So, Kevin, if somebody were to say to you today, you can no longer be a storyteller. You consider yourself one, so you can't be one anymore. What would your last story be that you'd want to go out on? I think it would be to pick a local restaurant, family-owned or something, and tell the story behind each person at that restaurant. You know what I mean? Because there's so much history behind each person that works at a restaurant. Mm. You know, that bus boy may have been, that bus boy may have been a waiter at the finest dining place in the city. You know what I mean? Mm. It's just, there's a story behind everyone. And I would love to find a restaurant and, you know, tell the story behind and write something that tells the story behind each individual at the restaurant. Mm. And I think you'll find if you were to go into a local restaurant, 
you know, uh, mom and pop owned or whatever, and you were to talk to each employee, I guarantee you're going to find some fascinating stuff about each, stuff about each person. Mm-hmm. And I, I think you can make a whole book out of it. Yeah, that'd be a good story to go out on them for sure. And a chance to give back yeah. too. So that's awesome. Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for being a part of the Storytellers Network, my friend. I'm very happy that you asked me to be on the show. Thank you so much. Once again, Kevin Wilson, thank you so much, Kevin. You can connect with him at the links in the show notes. Be sure to do so, especially if you're headed to Philly. Check out the restaurant tour. That's awesome stuff. So thank you very much, Kevin. Uh, Hey, if you enjoyed the episode, please consider sharing it with someone that could benefit from it. That's how we build this audience, by connect with other storytellers. Social media, share it in a story with someone just in conversation, Uh, share it on social media, send an email, however you do it. I said social media twice, I think. Anyway, share away. Sharing is caring, and I appreciate it very much. And if you want to share your story with me, go to thestorytellersnetwork.com to connect with me or email me directly, dan at thestorytellersnetwork.com. Be sure to subscribe via email so you get monthly updates on the show. Thank you for joining me on this journey today. Until next time, here's to telling our stories and having those stories to tell. Cheers. Cheers.